0: What's up, friends? Welcome. It's time to Elevate and Thrive. And on today's episode, we're going to explore what's keeping you tired. In fact, we're going to get into the top five energy killers, how to identify what's killing your energy and what you can do about it. This is Barry Napier. Of course, I am here with the incredible and extremely talented Dr. Angela Yegley.
1: Thank you, Barry. You are awesome as well. Of course. um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I appreciate that. <laughs> and thank you for that
1: very generous intro. Much, much appreciated.
0: Yeah. So this is a topic that we deal with a lot here in the clinic, right? Energy and yeah, feeling absolutely. tired, feeling down. A ton. A ton, right? And yeah. so on today we want to get into maybe what we've over time kind of seen as the top five reasons why people are generally feeling tired.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, you know, to that point, I would say that, um, you know, most people do feel usually like it's one thing, you know, they're like, usually it's the thyroid. And I think that's just because of that's what's out there on yeah, you in the You do some web searches. Yeah. Why am I tired all the time? Always. Yeah. It's the thyroid. Thyroid
0: yeah. or adrenal dysfunction, maybe, or
1: yes. Yeah.
0: Maybe sleep apnea or and something. sleep,
1: all of that stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, to your point again, that it's usually it's coming from multiple different places, you know, and so we really have to dive in and, and it's, we're usually not looking at just one thing. We have to kind of address all these different areas that we'll talk about today. Um, super important. And I found that especially when somebody has been chronically tired over a long period of time, I mean, that's really when we have to go deeper as opposed to say, if sometimes you can identify like somebody caught COVID or they, you know, had a flu and, and for the, Past few weeks, they've been tired. That's going to be a little different approach. You know, we've got some some immune system recovery there, right? Yeah, I
0: think we can look at maybe <clears> the <throat> different scenarios where it's this chronic, long lasting yeah. condition where you just feel really low energy, tired generally all the time. It's not event oriented where there was some like precipitating factor. Yeah, like I got sick, or a, this p- specific thing happened, and since that, I've really struggled with my energy. It's more like if it's all the time, you're just low. Now, if it is something like a, a cold or flu or something that kind of knocks you down and you're slowly recovering, then sometimes some of the things we're going to talk about today can actually be very beneficial as oh, well. Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, sometimes, you know, people are, maybe they're a little predisposed, like they were tired anyway, and then they got sick and now they're extremely exhausted, you know, but there was something there or the virus like exacerbated something that they already had, whether it was like a thyroid dysfunction or adrenal Fatigue, right, um, or some other virus, chronic virus that they're carrying around. So, right,
0: some other thing that's going on.
1: Other thing. Yes. Yeah,
0: that's how it often is when people show up here. It's you have a little bit of detective work to do. Yes. And one yes. of the places that we start uh, immediately is with nutritional deficiencies, right? right? That's one of the top energy killers. So let's talk a little bit about that.
1: So, um, typically, I mean, we do a full, we're going to look at, you know, full history. We're going to look at your diet, you know, we're going to look at, um, any maybe diet trends that you've been on, like, have you been keto, you know, or are you restricting, you know, or are you, you know, doing something like, um, maybe doing a lot of fast food. Yeah, Maybe like living (laughs) on Dick's burgers. Nutrient deficient food. Yeah, yeah. You're on the Dick's diet. The Dick's diet, yeah. Very popular here. Um, And so really the other way to just tell is we just do lab testing. That's kind of, I mean, you can see signs in people like if somebody has pale, you know, um, like eyelids or their nails are pale or that's iron deficiency. I mean, there's certain things you can see in the body if you have these like different spots or ridges on, on your nails. Usually that's a mineral or zinc deficiency, Um, you know, so, and the tongue, if it gets super, super dark red, that's actually bees. Um, But it's nice to confirm all of that (laughs) with some actually direct measurements. So, um, and then we can dial it in. And as you know, I really like, um, I like, if people are open to it, I like doing the genetic testing for like, at least starting with like the the B vitamins, um, because those are so important for energy creation. So that would be like the MTHFR.
0: As a minimum, like, yeah, there's quite a bit of genetic testing that ideally we would love to see, but at a minimum, that one can be really critical when it comes to energy and mood and... Yeah. how the body handles the the various B vitamins and whatnot.
1: Right. How, what your need, your need for what we call the active forms of the methylated forms, right? So yeah, if there's a mutation there, then we have to, we need to be a little bit like extraordinary within the way that like we would support your B vitamins and all the amino acids that surround that, right?
0: And I think that's the thing that we don't quite realize the degree to which we can really be a beautiful snowflake and that we're each so unique and special in our needs, uh, that it, we don't realize that sometimes what, you know, what one person needs just to get baseline, um, is, can be very, very different than somebody else yes. based on how their kind of their genetic situations going on, where their body, their overall state is and health state. And that's where the testing really comes in. So we can yeah. dial that precision medicine. Yeah.
1: In. And it makes a difference. Like, so, so we talked about, um, well, in the past, uh, like looking again at the bees, at iron, at vitamin D, um, your minerals are very, very important. Um, and then, um, and then the, if we're looking at, so some of those measurements would also be like homocysteine for the bees. I like checking glutathione, which is a super antioxidant as well. Um, and what's really cool is that when we're getting into nutritional medicine, so, we can actually check for mutations in nu- nutrients beyond B vitamins. So we can. There's actually a vitamin D mutation. There's an iron mutation. There's a glutathione mutation. Um, there are the other antioxidants uh, um, called like E and um, and gosh, vitamin A, vitamin C. <laughs> there's <laughs> like a whole they, laundry they list. They all the have alphabet, them. Yes,
0: <laughs> the alphabets of vitamins. <laughs> and even if you have a good diet, you know, where you're kind of eating more whole foods in real foods and mostly unprocessed foods, you can still be deficient in a number of these minerals. I mean, there's the whole interesting thing around the quality of our food these days, the quality of the soil that things are grown in. And that from a nutritional standpoint, really over the last 70, 80, 90 years, there's been a massive fall off in just baseline nutrition, even of organic, clean, wholesome foods they just are less nutritious uh, and nutrient dense than they used to be.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. And and we also, like you did mention, genetically modified. Ooh, like a yeah. hundred years ago, we didn't have that, right? Like that wasn't even around. Yeah. And what's, you know, interesting and odd about that is that I have people, and I've seen this again and again throughout the years. Say I have somebody who has a severe gluten, you know. Intolerance, and so it makes them sick. It gives them headaches. Something like that makes them tired. They go to Europe where GMO is completely banned. You can't even, you know, bring a ship up to dock with GMO foods in it, Um, and they can eat. They can eat it, no problem. That's weird. That's (laughs) something's wrong. It also (laughs) explains why, perhaps,
0: when I was in Italy last, I could just eat pizza and gelato all day, all day long, every day, never gained a pound. uh, It's non-GMO gelato. Yeah, misery. That's the secret it's non-GMO the secret. pizza, delicious. Could <laughs> Maybe have also it probably had
1: nothing to do with all the walking. It probably was had doing. nothing to do with the
0: twenty thousand plus <laughs> yeah. steps a day.
1: <laughs> right, right.
0: I think it was the GMO.
1: <laughs> you know what? strangely, I think I'd, I have heard that same story from people. Again, there's tons of walking people are, you know, you're not usually driving a car when you're in Europe, but, but the there is The quantities are different.
0: smaller. So I would eat like legit a whole pizza every single day. But
1: the pizza was like 10 inches. Yeah, but right? it's much smaller.
0: It's not like a Pagliacci's <laughs> right. large or something. Right. It's very, you know, the, the dough th- is, it's all so fresh and delicious, but yeah, there is yeah. something there. It is it interesting. Is, there is
1: something there. So, so at this point, as I understand it, you should, you, it's, it's, It's hard to avoid GMO like it it, in America, there are going to be some cross contaminations, but if you have the option, right, if you're choosing your breads, if you're choosing your other things, always get the thing that says non-GMO because it's going to at least be like 90%, you know, uh, non-GMO
0: do the best you can, but that's what that one is one that can make a difference.
1: It makes a difference. And actually, well, gluten is its whole other thing. I'll just say that, um, People, usually a lot of times it makes people tired for people who are sensitive to it. To gluten. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. I see that bump in energy and mm-hmm. usually people lose a little weight cause mm-hmm. it causes inflammation. Mm-hmm. So we'll just put it on the list, right. Mm-hmm. Of things to consider.
0: I think it's a good one to put on the list. Let's talk a little bit about sleep. That's an, another one of the big energy killers as our top five. So one is nutritional deficiencies. That's a top yes. energy killer. Let's go into sleep. That's another mm-hmm. I mean, obvious one to explore, but there's some non-obvious things to talk about when it comes to sleep disturbances. Yeah.
1: So of course, I think everybody always thinks of sleep hygiene, right? Like, do you, are you sleeping in a dark room? Are you like not sleeping? Dark, cold, and quiet. There you go. Dark, cold, and quiet. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Not having your pets in the you bed want with a ba- you. Yeah.
0: Bear cave, basically. Bear you cave. Want, there yeah, you go.
1: Dark, <laughs> cold,
0: hibernate. <laughs>
1: exactly yes
0: i i think people it's amazing how many people i think either one their beds are too small
1: oh interesting
0: you know it, because so they're like piled up on i don't i don't personally like to be touched while i'm sleeping oh. like i i
1: that's good I, let's just, get into it i do it really, not like yeah. to
0: be touched do not touch <laughs> if somebody touches me while i'm sleeping i'll wake up and i'll like, shove them up. <laughs> get off me <laughs> I don't like it. Um, It definitely is it the just,
1: heat or is it yeah? Just it's like the it's, heat. I yeah. it just
0: uh, then it's like it focuses my mind on that point of contact, and so I can't you know let go and just fall asleep as oh, much. Interesting. Yeah. And I do get mm. hot, you know, and then that can get sweaty or whatever. So those aren't good for sleeping. Hot, and yeah. sweaty is not good, and then just where your mind then is uh, drawn to something. It, but then animals in bed too. I know a lot of people sleep with their animals in they
1: bed. They do, yeah. And of course, they're not going to listen to you if you're like. Don't touch me again. Don't, don't lay on my face. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> so one of
0: my best friend, they, some of our best friends, they had a queen bed, which is, I believe, too small for a couple, yeah. personally. <laughs> it's like, what are you sleeping in a child's bed? <laughs> it's like, you must be in a twin. But, um, and then they had, Two large dogs, 70 plus, you know, 70, 60, 70 pound dogs that would sleep in bed with them as well. And they would send these hilarious pictures of like, you know, the dogs like laying on them and like blankets and, and their dog, and they sleep like
1: that. So right. Like,
0: how do you even sleep like that? Right. right.
1: So that's, you're right. Yeah. And I would say, even though it's probably beautiful and comfortable and people love it, they love the snuggle, right? Some people can sleep by other people, you know, that, it's and weird. that's okay. It freaks me out. <laughs> No, I, I and it is normal. I get that That's it's normal. normal to. You you may be the maybe the exception. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I, not. You just you're see saying this just in TV and it. uh,
0: movies. It's all lies. It just paints <laughs> this picture speeding. of like, oh, let's cuddle together and fall asleep and the yeah, romance. You're like and stuff. no. I'm like it's all I see hot. is hot sweat yeah. when I see that. It's- <laughs> get away from me.
1: All right. So get Barry good. is saying, yeah. don't sleep by I anybody. would recommend I would try your, to right?
0: sleep apart from somebody. <laughs> I would just give it a shot.
1: They do have those body pillows. Like you those are cool. Put you in know, what, in
0: Europe, speaking of Europe, another great thing Europeans have, and I've tried to incorporate this here in my lifestyle, but my wife refuses to do this, is they actually have sheets and separate sheets and blankets on each side of the bed. Now this was when we were in um, when we were in Hungary. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was fascinating and it was awesome. <laughs> so imagine you have your own sheet.
1: Wait, were and you tucked blanket. in like a burrito?
0: Yeah, you could if you wanted yeah. to. Like you could, yeah. you could you could physically prevent another person yeah. from like touching you with your own sheet and blanket, and you could dial your temperature in.
1: Oh, okay. That's you like know, the that's, sleep. That's bed, what I right? think the
0: thing is with the temperature because that's obviously a big one. So you know, yeah. it, the temperature and how they have cool, uh, cooling and heating elements for beds. They're, yeah. They're yeah. Relative. And I, I've, I've heard amazing things about them and yeah. I would totally do that, but they are typically like, Eight hundred to fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah,
1: you want to make, and if you're already doing well, like then maybe you don't need a sleep cooling bed. Right, right. Yeah, and I always kind of worry a little bit about sleeping on electricity. Like it's not recommended that you sleep with like a heating pad because of the electromagnetic field that it creates. You can let it warm up your bed, but then turn it off like when you get in. So I would be concerned too about having something that's constantly, like the electricity. But again, just just my perspective, maybe not a big deal in, in like the whole of your health, you know, but I think that electromagnetic radiation is just something to consider. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So coming back to, so we've got the sleep hygiene, right? No TV in the, the TV is not supposed to be in the bedroom. And the thought is, well, this is just the recommendation of like the bedroom is only for sleep. Now I can't say that I necessarily, you know, agree with that, right? You should be able to use your bedroom, but, but there are some sleep specialists that say like, you should only sleep in there your body should get really used to only having like sleep in the room like don't put your office in there like don't hang out in there right just make it sleep oriented especially if you have a real problem so but that is a little more extreme right yeah yeah it's a little more dependent
0: but yeah i hear what they're saying on that yeah i I don't like a tv in the bedroom but you know i do i do think that you know you do your best you can with having it be a an area where you create a space conducive to sleep yes. right i think that's yes. a good way to think about it yeah
1: i think so too so then when we go on like we start thinking i would say probably stress might be number the number one outside of that um and and that is i think working on you know you need to work on ways to quiet your mind before bed um we call it the monkey mind right you know like how do you slow yourself down a little bit um and sometimes meditation you know not using your computer or a device like an hour before bed um, also putting like the redshift on whatever device if you are using a device you know there are apps for that like they can redshift your computer or your phone um, because that blue light's stimulating um, but if you can just read a book you know go old school, old school right have paper and um, and then and do things that are relaxing for yourself don't work all the way up to like bed Time, uh, which I know a lot of entrepreneurs do. Right. Um, and then there's, you know, you can use things for sleep, which are really nice, which are like for, that would be calming, like the sleepy time tea and chamomile tea. And, and that kind of gets you in that ritual of like slowing down, right. And slowing your mind down.
0: Yeah, I think this is where you, you do a little diagnosis. Yeah, what is the challenge that you're having? Are, yeah. is, are you having a yeah. hard time falling off to sleep? Yes. And then, you know, is it primarily your mind's racing, your body feels yes. amped, or your yes. temperature is wrong, or whatever. So I think there, you know, when you're kind of self-diagnosing, or when you come in here, one of the things we're going to explore is, you know, what's the issue? Is it yeah. falling off of to sleep? And, you know, that, that kind of transitioning from a waking state to a sleeping state that right. the struggle is, because all everything you just talked about there can really help pinpoint some very specific. Strategies that can help get you into a space where you can fall asleep. Right. Then I think yeah. then there's the op, there's the, the additional issue or problem which is staying asleep. Yeah, which can also be connected to some of these things as well with your mind and stress and not being able to turn the mind off or stimulants yeah. too close to bedtime. Yeah, you know obviously things like caffeine, but yeah. also alcohol is a, kind of acts in that way as a stimulant when it yeah. comes to the sleep portion, oftentimes it creates a spike.
1: It does. Yeah. Cause you have the, you have the, a lot of people will use it to relax at night Mm -hmm. and then it disrupts their sleep. So, you know, I think that one, you know, maybe even two could be okay, but two drinks, but I think when you're beyond that and you're in, it's nighttime, many times that is, you know,
0: yeah. Glass of wine generally for most people can be well tolerated or splitting a bottle of wine over, you know, over a period of time. But yeah, I think then it's beyond that. You're you're typically going to get some kind of a
1: spike. It's that gonna be that like blood sugar, sugar crashing. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna be because your liver is free. yeah processing and and so that comes back to like your your adrenal glands. And a lot of people will be tired during the day. And, and then they ramp up their cortisol is really low. It ramps up at night and it keeps them from sleeping. So we call that a reverse curve. And so we have to work to, and those are the people that are like, oh my gosh, I get my second wind, like a seven. Yeah. The night owl. Right. Yeah. It's like, no, your rhythm is totally thrown off. Like we need to get you energy during the day. So then that cortisol can be nice and high and then it'll, drop and then it'll reverse with the melatonin rise. So, melatonin then goes up and so, um, and then helps to kind of shut everything down and then you get your growth hormone release and all of that once your melatonin is good, you know. So, um, so adrenals are definitely key in coming back into that stress, you know, um, cycle, I guess. And there's a lot of,
0: uh, yeah, and like good sleep, Uh, You just mentioned a number of, from a hormonal standpoint, both for men and women, so critical for proper hormonal
1: function. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So now here's the other thing. I mean, definitely hormone disruption can absolutely mess with your sleep. And where we start really seeing it is, um, is when women are getting what we call perimenopausal meaning, and that can even happen like late thirties, early forties, where you just start, the hormones are changing, right? Like, so that it's the progesterone that starts like just dropping down. And progesterone helps, uh, is amazing for sleep. And actually men can do progesterone if there, if there is a sleep issue and that ties into cortisol and, um, cortisol and adrenal support. And so, uh, for women, especially like getting that like measurement, especially like starting med cycle and on. So after ovulation, Um, and then that's when your progesterone really spikes, like supporting that. So sometimes I'll just give women natural, you know, based on looking at their whole picture and, and other symptoms, or if they're hormonal based symptoms, we'll do some natural progesterone at night and it can be amazing, like amazing for sleep. And actually there are studies for progesterone for men for sleeping as well. So, um, well,
0: I mean the hormone imbalance is one of the major, it's, it's our third our third energy killer, you know? Yeah. So yes. it is definitely part of what we have to look at when we're looking at the the sleep issue and the overall energy issues. I mean, here we're talking specifically about hormones as it relates to sleeping. Uh, but we're also, but I mean, also it, we, we could look at the whole picture on the hormone panel as well, because as you were talking about the cortisol that that's a huge factor in your energy during the day as well. What your hormone situation is and can be very, can be very challenging to kind of put a finger exactly on what's going on there without some kind of testing, without looking at it from a couple different, through a couple different lenses.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so that's where we would get like, so when we're coming into hormone testing, um, you know, we would test cortisol for sure and you want to get several different samples ideally um they have the salivary salivary based ones yeah the tr-
0: like the tricky thing is with hormones is they're constantly in flux right yes. so this and then yeah. if a person's on some kind of hormone altering like a birth control oh, yeah. or, then yeah. it's a whole. should be
1: okay with cortisol actually oh, really? thyroid and cortisol should be okay with
0: still fine to met yeah, yeah yeah
1: with birth control yeah yeah it's just the actual progesterone and estrogen, estrogen that's
0: going to be harder to put finger on
1: it is mm-hmm. yeah so but the cortisol absolutely and then you want to do like the morning because it shifts right it should spike in the morning it should stay kind of high throughout the day with little dips and then around five it should come down so you want like a salivary morning noon 5 p.m and then like 9 10 p.m so like even our basic you know quest lab because they make it as a specialty lab too um which is all out of pocket but you can actually just get it through quest and have your insurance pay for it so That's kind of cool. That's really cool. A lot of people don't know that.
0: So that's one to look at. What about thyroid? That obviously is something that comes up a lot. And it seems like there's some common mistakes that we see with with looking at thyroid, thyroid testing and what people are looking at. Yes,
1: exactly. So definitely want the TSH, which is pretty basic. That's what your standard doc is going to do. But then you want the free T3, free T4. You want to look at the antibodies, which are the TPO and TG antibodies um, for any sort of Hashimoto's. Um, And you want to check iodine levels. That's super important because most of your thyroid is iodine actually. Um, And that's why they added it to the salt back in the 1940s because people, your thyroid grows. If you need more iodine, it starts trying to capture more. And we don't really see them that often anymore, but the goiters, do you remember, have you ever seen like a very large thyroid? I can't say that I have. Way more common, I would say back in the day, I'm not saying that we would have like 50s, 60s, obviously no, we weren't seeing little, it back
0: little, in the, little like, before my time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just a little bit before. Yeah. Pictures. Right. It, it right. might come
0: back though, because <laughs> we see all these specialty salts. I know that is, a, it is something that we have yeah. seen a shift, right? Because we have yeah. so many people with, uh, you know, with their Himalayan sea salt, or I know I'm a big fan of, there's a French brand that I, yeah.
1: Like that, a Himalayan.
0: Yeah. What's, Yes. Oh, or French sea salt. I use French. Oh, okay. I use, a, yeah, it's from oh. like uh yeah, it's French coastal sea salt. Oh,
1: okay. Oh, it's okay. the best
0: finishing salt. Is it
1: like a gray, a gray salt?
0: It's a, it's a Pure, beautiful crystalline like w- white oh. flake
1: oh that uh, love yeah. sounds lovely no, it's, yeah
0: it's incredible you
1: can tell people. but there's all kinds yeah. of
0: great I mean there's all kinds of these salts out yeah, there I that have don't a have iodine black, yeah the black one yeah that's that like, kind of specialty so it like, looks I like, cool
1: I like the smoky gray I can't yeah, remember where it's from smoky gray it's cool yeah. yeah it's really really nice we,
0: there's actually a cool salt company right here in Seattle I don't know where they get their salt from but they do all kinds of specialty salts oh wow out in Woodinville. Ah. cool salts really neat oh that all, is cool yeah. I didn't yeah. know that you can go tour the factory thing and taste all the salts, Ooh. but all of those salts don't, none of them give you iodine.
1: They don't give you iodine. Ironically, sea salt, you think iodine because it comes, you know, seaweed sea. has iodine, right? Exactly. So you have to do the iodized salt or you, I mean, really ideally you just get it tested first to make sure.
0: No, And there's some issues too with where a person's getting iodine from as well, right? Don't you have to?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not a huge fan anymore of actual seaweed um, just because most of it is coming from like the Japan, Korea area. And, issues. Yeah, just the, there's a nuclear reactor that's still leaking there, um, for like the last 11 years. So, um, so that seaweed is probably, now if you're getting it from like North Atlantic, you know, if you're getting it from Norway, if you're getting it from those other, I I would trust that a whole lot more. Um, so, but that's why, because when you go to Whole Foods, you go, it's all, if you look at it, it's from like Korea. So I don't know. That's just, again, my thing. I'm like, just don't put contaminate seaweed to get your iodine in your body. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Exactly. The sources matter. What yes. about the one hormone that we haven't really talked about is, is insulin.
1: Oh yes. So Great. How, yes. Yeah
0: insulin obviously must play some kind of a role there as a kind of a transport energy mechanism.
1: Yes, so that's a great, great point. Yes, um, so so what many times happens is people will be woken up from a drop in like their insulin gets spiked because your liver, how your brain keeps, it basically has continuous energy is because your liver will release sugar on a continuous basis to, so again, your brain can survive, right? Um, but that does trigger insulin release. Release. And so if there's too much, like if, um, if you're having starting to get into some insulin resistance, which means that your pancreas is actually on average, it's putting out higher amounts, right? Um, to kind of deal with the extra sugar you have all during the day then you're going to get more of a drop, you know, at night and that drop. And what's so cool is I'm watching I have some people who are on continuous glucose monitors wearing the patch, Much right?
0: More, yeah. It's kind of a popular trend. It
1: right is. Now. Yeah. And, and fitness, not for type two no, necessarily yeah, for fitness. type two. Basically, yeah, for fitness. Like to see yeah. how
0: food is interacting yeah. with your body and what it's doing.
1: It's fascinating. And so I started having these women who are doing it when they, when, when they were waking up was when their blood sugar was dropping and they're like, they could see it right with the, you know, the app and it's like, oh my God, that's you know, so what we started doing is for those people, they started just adding some protein at bedtime and it allowed, you know, just that continuous release. And when they stopped getting that big drop because the liver is sending out a bunch of stuff. So, so it helped. So protein at bedtime was enough to kind of keep that insulin level steady. Yeah. I know, and I think also if you have if you're needing to clean up your diet during the day, then that can be another reason too. Might do both.
0: Do both. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Very interesting. One thing that is clear too that when we're looking at energy and and energy killers. I think one of the things we have to talk about is, is just straight up when you're in pain, chronic pain, inflammation, Yes, yes. that can be a major energy killer.
1: Huge. And that's a whole, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a bigger topic, but, um, but I mean, just diving into the cause of pain, I think is, is it's gotta be part of the plan, you know, and it, um, You know, and also if we can shift you to something natural. And so, some just...
0: So, for instance, pain medic, if you're taking on some kind of... Yes, like you're you're taking Advil. Yeah, you're taking Advil or Tylenol or whatever on a regular basis.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, again, treat the cause, whatever that underlying cause is.
0: What would you say is, if you're taking that for what period of time would you say then you should really start to look at the underlying issues? So, for instance, if you take it for a couple of days, no big deal, but if you're on it for a couple of weeks or
1: seven yeah. days.
0: Is there a kind of a trigger?
1: Yeah. Like a pattern. Yeah. I would say definitely if you're, t- if you never have pain and then now you've taken it for a week, you know, or you've usually that's relates back to injury, injury of some sort, right? Yeah. It's time, you know, um, and if it's longer term than that. Then oh definitely. yeah. And that can even tie into like, Oh, I use Advil like only for one day, but then the next week I use it again and the next week I use it again. And now I've got months worth of now needing Advil. Then you've got to figure it out. You've got to address what's happening, you know, wherever that pain is coming from. And that's, you know, orthopedic.com, see us, see your chiropractor. Like you've got to just initiate something unless, I mean, there are different types of pain, musculoskeletal nerve, all of that. So, I mean, chronic infection, chronic infection in an area that could absolutely be, yeah. There's a lot.
0: Yeah. You want to get in there and figure it out. Yeah.
1: we got to figure it out. Pain is a signal. Pain is not bad. It's just a signal, right, that you need to address something. You need to figure it out.
0: And it can be tricky to figure out, yeah, especially if it's a muscle skeletal issue type thing or something that is getting constantly triggered by, like, either yeah. repetitive use or, yeah. you know, I like to sleep with my arm, my right arm tucked underneath my pillow. Yeah, And yeah for years i do. i have like this all the time and yeah. then i'll tuck also my left arm if i lay kind of on my left side yeah. but my right shoulder over the past year will sometimes get triggered from sleeping like that Yeah. It'd be quite painful and i've gone in to get it adjusted and looked at and kind of figuring it out and of course you know part of the solution is well don't sleep like that right right part of that problem is is you might be patterned or conditioned to do something or maybe it was from like a overuse Injury that's related to work, yeah, and you can't just stop doing the thing. So then you have to get a little bit more creative and figuring it st- out. Strap
1: your arm down, while yeah, you're exactly. Are
0: you sleeping? <laughs> right Strapped strap to my leg. <laughs> my dead yeah, arm.
1: I, yes, I know about that right shoulder. it's like put it out there. We got to work on that right shoulder.
0: And that's where here we would look at yeah. stuff like we might look at ozone. Yes, we might look at some injectables, PRP. Yeah. We, you know, we would start to look at what are some additional things we can do to support that, or we. Might look at maybe some natural ways of lowering inflammation, or some natural ways to kind of um, help bring uh, some some kind of healing into that area without needing to, you know, kind of go down that Advil or Tylenol path chronically
1: absolutely i was going to suggest or i was going to say that um if we can do some substitutions like if we can do if we can substitute like turmeric um over the long term it takes like 4 to 6 weeks to really kick in and so you have to just kind of give it that window it's not going to be like advil you know where you're like oh i took 2000 milligrams of turmeric and Boy, that pain is gone, just like Advil does.
0: And we would say that for for many herbal or kind yeah. of like non-prescriptive treatments or, you know that oftentimes there's a buildup.
1: There is. Yeah. And so, I mean, you want to, you want to give it that time, but the studies are really good on turmeric and long-term use and reduction of pain at about 2000 milligrams a day. Um, as well as I really like proteolytic enzymes away from food. So if you take a proteolytic enzyme away from food, it actually reduces joint inflammation and, and, and kind of like that fibrous, you know, tissue, um, it starts to break that down. Right. So, um, so it's yeah, fantastic. But Again, you have to just don't take it with food because then it just digests your food. Um, And then ozone, as we have, as you mentioned, um, I love, but it is a more, that's a more dedicated therapy. It's oxygen type therapy that we can either do locally, right? Or we can do systemically, meaning it goes all throughout your body and can be incredible for joint pain and other like chronic infections and things. Um, But it is, you gotta, you know, gotta be willing to come in and do the therapy basically. Yeah,
0: but it can be very effective. Very for chronic effective. Chronic pain, it absolutely, like achy joints and yeah. this, you know, kind of wear and tear over over time. I think there was a football player story you tell us yes. a patient right yes. who had um, tons of you know, just degeneration in the joints and chronic pain that had been long lasting over years that, you know, isn't something that you can really get adjusted or, or whatnot and had great success with ozone. So it's something we've seen a lot of success with in terms of those, some of those aches and pains.
1: Yeah. I've seen it. I have besides my, my pro football player who responded so well to the systemic ozone because he had basically pain in every joint. And, um, also had a, I have had some, also some elderly or seniors, right. That have, of just chronic degeneration in a lot of different joints. And it's it's kind of the same thing. It's like, well do you wanna inject, you know, do prolozone in every single joint, which gets it's a lot for people, right? You know, um, just do it systemically and it's it's fantastic. But I've even done it for like somebody who has carpal tunnel. And he is a he builds piers under the water. <laughs> and so it's really hard for him to he's gotta use it be able to use his hands, right? And and so he he doesn't really love the injections, like into you know, looking into the forearm, you do a lot of the forearm and some hand injections. So we do it systemically and it's incredible. Like he does a high dose and it's like it will resolve it for a while. The so Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So one of one of my one of my List of my favorite therapies. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's a lot. We have a long list of favorite. We have therapies. a long that list. That one you do love. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, what about like one? One of the things too, I think we should cover off on uh, maybe our last topic that we want to just touch on here is um, immune function yes, and, and yeah. issues where we have chronic hidden infections. That yes. can be a, it. Can be an energy killer for some people.
1: Absolutely. Um, so I would say again, I would put this at the kind of the top of the list of. Um, it's just something we absolutely have to dive into and explore because most people don't know that they're walking around with some sort of chronic infection, right? I mean, it's it's not really standard to look for that with your standard doc. They're not going to check you for chronic reactivated mono. You know, so that's like your EBV, CMV, uh, HHV6, and Parvo. And not the Parvo that's in dogs. That's totally different. This is a mono virus. But we have, there are other types of chronic infections too uh, that we look for um and so it really those can be if your immune system um for for there can be different reasons your immune system is struggling a little bit or you could just have picked up a pretty strong strain of this virus right um or one of those viruses and it's just it is wearing your body down right so
0: it's like an energy. It's an energy an internal energy sap. Yeah, your body's kind of fighting your against immune it, system, to it, Yeah,
1: it. yeah. Like if when you think about how you feel when you catch a flu, you're like, oh my god! Like I, am tired, I'm achy, you know. Um, and so you get like a mini version of that in your cells going on all the time. And there are times when, because your immune system does start adapting right over time, that that you're like, oh, I'm I'm better, and and then something happens. Maybe you don't sleep. Well, or you, super stressed out. you're super stressed, or you get your, um, you know, you eat a ton of your food allergy.
0: Right, <laughs> like, or you have a bunch of sugar. The or sugar is an immune weekend. suppressor.
1: Yeah, you have a yeah. big weekend. Like all the things, and then boy, then like that virus will just come raging back, right? And it will replicate and drag you down, right, again. So then you have to kind of, re- your immune system has to sort of restart the process of like fighting it and suppressing it. And so what we do is we identify identify them. And then we start doing, we start giving you immune support, you know? And so that could look like in the form of oral supplements, like C and A and zinc and D, right? Um, but then, and sometimes also herbs, um, that are antiviral, like lauric acid, which is monolaurin, a coconut extract, lysine, um, St. John's word actually is one of them. And then the, it just keeps, you know, we have a lot of those, um, and many times you are in blends.
0: Um, a lot of tools there in that tool belt. To yes, use, exactly. Yeah, that's where we start to go after it. Yeah.
1: And IV therapy, right? So like high Huge. dose IV vitamin C and glutathione for glutathione. the immune system. I know. <laughs> high dose glutathione. Ha- yeah. Y'all have to check out our glutathione. Yes. We're, we're really getting Some, into yeah, glutathione. That's on, the, on the,
0: on Sage, Sage, Sage Health TV, definitely check yes. out the glutathione episode. Yes. It's uh, something we're big fans of. What about, I know here in the Northwest in particular, mold
1: can oh, be yeah. a major factor. So mold is yeah absolutely in the Northwest. I mean we have a
0: whole series on on mold. A we do. Series. We
1: have a great series because it's very
0: prevalent. Uh, here. It's very
1: prevalent, and a lot of people think of, they're like, well, of course I have mold exposure because I live here and I'm outside. <laughs> and yes, there is that, but usually what I'm talking about, what we're talking about, is the inside exposure that people a lot of times have unknown, like something is growing in your house, you know, and you just aren't aware of it, and it could just be in your attic and you've lived with it for years and and those mold toxins are really they start dragging you down and what's one thing I'll just say about that is that a lot of times people dismiss it. They might notice like a musty smell or they are like, oh yeah, we had water damage in our bathroom. And then, you know, and maybe we kind of fixed it. We'd have no idea what's growing underneath, Um, but everybody else is fine and I'm tired. So I'm sure it's not that, right? It can't be that because everybody in my family is just fine. And that is not true. Um, It's really common. And this comes back to genetics, actually, that, um, That there are groups of people that are mold, very, very mold sensitive and cannot detoxify it. They just can't. And so these mold toxins, they're exposed, you know, at the same time, maybe their husband's exposed and the husband's just fine. The kids actually are doing quite well because they have growing energy, you know, they're doing good. And then that person is exhausted and struggling and has brain fog and just, you know, it's, it's really fascinating. And so then you do a measurement of like mold toxins. You're like, Oh my gosh, you know, and that's somebody you have come into the house and do a mold. Toxin? Yeah, actually I really love, we have a um, inspector that we absolutely love and his name is Jason Kester in his company. And the reason why he's super thorough and he doesn't treat, and while that, that's why that's important, is because he's not going to be motivated to recommend something. Right? You he's know? just
0: all about discovery. Yeah, just
1: about, yeah. and then going, yes, this is imp. You know, you have these types of very toxic, highly toxic spores in your house. You know, um, that seems like something that everybody should get tested. Kind I, of in Washington, I, every I feel time like. we Talk about it. Do you, I'm like. <laughs>
0: I absolutely need to get that.
1: <laughs> you know what you would start with actually, if you didn't want to. So Jason is about, I think he's about $1,600 to come in, but he does, you know, gets into the attic, oh, goes under, he does every, he is every, he, he's like in the corners doing the little dust samples, you know, um, um is, but if you want to start with something, you can do an Ernie test, um, which sounds like a Sesame street thing. I know it's like, Ernie <laughs> test. <laughs> yeah. er- Ernie test. <laughs> pass the cookie monster. Test. <laughs> Um, um, but E R M I in capital letters, an ERMI test. And, uh, it's on our website. Like if you go to our blog, I have it listed there. And what it will do is, um, it will tell you basically the amount of like toxic spores that you have in your house specifically. You take different samples and then they will tell you, you can, what's kind of cool is that you can consult with them, the company and say, based on the types of spores, cause they, I mean, they come back and it's It's like two pages worth of spores that are hanging out in people's houses in small font, right? And you're like, is this concerning? I don't, you know, maybe. First they look at percentage and then they give you types, right? So you can call them and say, based on the types that I have, you know, because there are types of spores that are actually more... Damaging to human health than others, and and tend to be have a huge impact, right? So if you have those particular ones, they'll tell you. They don't necessarily indicate it on the report, but you can call them and they'll tell you, like, oh yeah. So that maybe is an easier. These place are to the start. bad ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You sh- need to go further, yeah, and investigate. So, it's crazy. It's a. It's it can be quite devastating actually to health. I mean, it's it. We have some people that come here. Um, And I I don't, I'm not trying to scare people or free people out, but it has, it has literally destroyed their health. Like they have had to almost do a full, like pull back, you know, treat the mold of course. And then just struggling so much, like can't even get out of bed, you know, and we've watched them. It takes months, months for them to slowly build back up. So if you're suspicious of it, I would say, don't like to that person, like don't wait, you know, six months. Don't sleep on it. Right. Don't sleep. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Literally though, don't yeah. sleep on, on the hole. <laughs> the
0: toxic world is getting you. No. Yes. Well, I think the big takeaway is we is we kind of have gone through our top five energy killers. Each one of these areas in a way could we could spend hours on. We could spend a whole yes. podcasts and we you know yes. we have tons of different resources out there. This is a place to start in thinking about restoring, rebuilding, renewing your energy this is a good lens these five are kind of five areas that you can start to look at and of course that's what we do here, obviously, is get into that specialized and personalized approach is to really help figure out and have that trusted guide advisor asking the right questions with the right testing to understand and get a clear picture for you as an individual, what is impacting your energy. And then we can get into figuring out through all of the variety of cool tools we talked about today uh, and a bunch of other cool stuff that we didn't even get to. We didn't talk about Beamer therapy. Oh, we didn't talk about infrared. I mean, there's yes. so many great tools we have yes. in the tool belt uh, to help figure out and solve the energy issue. But a big part of it is figuring, you know, out what specifically for you is yeah, going Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I do, one thing I want to mention because we have talked about so much, I know this could probably sound really overwhelming to someone. They're like, oh, I'm tired just listening to I this. So really <laughs> I Where do I even begin? You know what? Don't worry about it. Don't even worry about it. Just come in. That's what I would say. Because actually a lot of these things we do on the first time you're here. I test it. You know, so there are mold markers, there are yeast markers. There's, you know, we'll do the thyroid, we'll do the adrenals. We'll just get it all done based on your history and your concerns, right? And your picture. Um, so you know, let I what I'm trying to say, let us, you know, guide you and and figure out the underlying. Don't try to do this yourself, you know, where you're ordering online kits yourself and you're doing, come in, let us create your plan for you, right?
0: There's times to do, you know, the DIY approach works really great. And there's other times where it can be a, like a waste of time yeah, and effort yeah. and be fr- and frustrating and ultimately more costly yes. than just going the professional route.
1: Yeah. Yeah just come in where they yeah we are we'll they you where know,
0: they this is where we can get your energy issue solved so absolutely yeah well thanks for thanks this was great and this i'm awesome. sure to come back and dive into some of these topics uh, again and, and take a different uh, approach and, and get into them but uh, this is a good overview and if you're having energy issues yeah book a consult and we'll get you taken care of
1: yeah thank All you right. until next time okay next time
0: <laughs>